Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Beyond the Bulletin. We're on. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen the Man Lenahan. Stephen Theman Lenahan. What? Theman. Don't roll your Theman. eyes. Yes. <laughs> the man. When I was a little kid, when I was a little kid, uh-huh. I had a video game that we played on an old Commodore 64, and I wanted to put my name was The Man, uh-huh. but it didn't allow for space bars. It didn't recognize that character, so it was Theman. Fair enough. Demon. Steven Demon. Well, I've always said that if I uh, ever had a reason to run out of a tunnel or Mm -hmm. something to that effect, it's never really happened in life yet. Like break through a banner? Yeah, something like that. that And then they forget to pre-cut the banner. Actually, I think it did happen. I think one time in high school, I played basketball in high school, and I think one time somebody, one of the announcers introduced me that way. They're like, Steven, the man, the man. And I nice. loved it. I was like, this is it. This is me. That is awesome. I was homeschooled, <laughs> so I never had no any humility of that here. stuff. And I'm just sad and lonely. But you you are literally known across the country as Gomer. So I'm not known across the country as Stephen the Man Lenahan. You're not even known as Yet. Stephen Lenahan. <laughs> wow. And speaking of which, we have a guest today. <laughs> <laughs> we have a special guest today. Stephen, since you are so well-versed and you are the man, why don't you introduce our guest? <laughs> well, actually, I was going to have you introduce her because you've known her longer than me. Have I? Yeah. Were we buds? I don't think we were buds. No. You were just that lady in the background judging me when I was a youth administrator. Yes, that, that was me. All right, fine. I'll introduce her. So we are joined by, I don't even know, I need, a, I need an adjective. Uh, the, the man. No, <laughs> no, no. I was not going to go there. No, uh, no the... Uh, <laughs> The intelligent, the illustrious, is that a Illustrious. Word? Illustrious. Radiant. Radiant. <laughs> better half. Marion. <laughs> holy. Vibrant. Vibrant. Vital. Vit- Mrs. Katie Crawl. All right. So. That's a lot to live up to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, she is a deaconess, as some people call it, which is not really <laughs> no. a thing. The you unfortunate didn't. burden of being married to one Deacon Mike Crawl. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How, how have you been shouldering that burden? <laughs> um, <laughs> how, long, how long have y'all been married? Uh, 20, golly, how long? 27 this year? 27 years? That's yeah. awesome. Congrats. So, thank you. Your marriage can now get a reduced rate on uh, car liability insurance when you get a rental car. That's great. I had no idea. That's the only thing. Like 25, 27, (laughs) something like that. That's 25, I think, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, there you go. But they've been getting that since they were 25. It has nothing to do with your marriage. You just tried to personify their marriage. That was weird. (laughs) So so how long has he been a deacon? Is he on three years now? I don't know why my voice went so high pitched. No, no. He just, uh, just over a year. Just over a year. Gosh, it seems like three. Class of 2019. (laughs) Wow, yeah. Maybe for him too. I don't know. Uh, no, he, so he's ordained last year and I think we had a lot of expectations going in. There were people that came in and talked to us and warned us. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Just prepare yourself. It's going to be hard. And then it wasn't quite as hard as. Really? Well, that's at so least. Funny. No, it's because we locked down the church for three months. Well, before. that, you know, that's true. <laughs> you want it to be difficult? You know what? You can't meet with anyone. How about that? You're going to give homilies go. to an empty church. How about exactly. that? Exactly. Exactly. It has, has eased up quite a bit. So at first, though, it was, I think everybody was being kind of nice at first. And so he eased in. And then the summer came. And that was kind of easy. And then the fall came. And we realized, you have overcommitted. Yeah. And so they were like, "Woo, okay, reevaluate. And so yeah. we kind of got in the groove. But, you know, I mean, we had been really heavily involved in ministry all of our time here. So it wasn't that much of a change as far as, 
know, if you're up here doing something for church every day, yeah, being a deacon or being, you yeah, know, you might as well get ordained to do it. I mean, really, <laughs> might as well. Just then you get out. a key. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, and I think a lot of people don't know that deacons really are volunteers. You know, they're not. Right. They may be clergy, but they're not like priests. They're not um, on staff. They're not paid. They're volunteers. So right. it's uh, yeah. It it is a lot like being in ministry. It's just kind of you have some obedience and other little things you have to agree to. But yeah, so it was a lot. Uh, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And we have had a few things where we're like, okay, that's not going to work, mm. and we're going to have to look at the calendar a little bit more. So so yeah. tell us about like when when did did Mike come to you? Did you come to him and say, Hey, I think you should be a deacon or like, what was that? What did that early discernment process look yeah. like for y'all as a couple? Um, and, or w- was it someone prompting him other than the Holy spirit, obviously, but. Oh, I'm the Holy spirit. You should be a deacon. That's wow. the Holy ghost. I was That's the Holy say, ghost. That really was sounded it? Like, oh, very, very you there something, isn't there something about not blaspheming the Holy spirit? Isn't that like the only unforgivable sin? Anyway. Um, Okay, so I think that Mike really had it in the back of his mind that he was always interested in being a deacon. So even when we were first married, um, we were in a, as we often do, in a Catholic bookstore. Um, (laughs) Nerds. Sorry, just kidding. Seriously. Um, (laughs) Yeah, as I was looking at, I was in your office once looking at the bookshelf just going, yeah, I own that. Mm -hmm. I have that. Mm -hmm. I've never read that, but I haven't. Read it. I own it. He's the extreme nerds. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Um, so I, th- we were in a Catholic bookstore and picked up a little brochure, you know, pamphlet on how to be a deacon. So you're thinking about being a deacon. <laughs> yeah, really. And he was probably, I mean, I don't know, he was mid twenties at the time. And so you open it up and it says you need to be 35. So we're yeah. like, okay, maybe an idea for later. I mean, we bought the book. We still have a little book. And so, and then I think, so that idea was kind of planted, but, mm-hmm. um, he didn't do anything about it. And I don't know if I'm getting. If I get the story right, I think it was Deacon Tom that approached him and just said, hey, there's this information night. You maybe want to go yeah. down and check it out. And so he's like, okay. And he said, you, you want to go to the information night? Wives have to go. I was like, sure. We're not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we went to the information night and then they said, okay, come back next month because we want you to get used to coming down here. And then, oh, now we want you to commit. I mean, it was a few months. Yeah. And he's like, I think we should do this. And I was like, out of your ever-loving mind. <laughs> I mean, I was like, you know, at the time I had what, like a, I don't know how old Emily was, our youngest, eight, something like that. I was just uh, like, this is crazy. Because it's monthly that you have to go. Right? Monthly that I have to go. And then, um, well, I'll get back to that. Mm. But yeah, so we we're, he just said, he said, look, let's start it because it's a an ongoing process. And they told us that from the beginning. It's yeah. a discernment process from the first moment. Right. So at any time you say, this is not, we're not feeling right. the pull, um, you stop. Or right. vice versa. The church can say the same thing. Absolutely. Like, you're not called to this. Absolutely. Yeah. And the first two years of it, too, are just kind of like a preliminary, um, it's just like going to classes. You're not accepted. You have to yeah. apply and go through. So it's like if after two years you're said, thanks, but no thanks, you know, hey, I've been educated and I will go on my merry way. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so we, I said, okay. We can do this. That's fine. If we can say no at some point. And, um, and then it just became, you know, we'll go down there every, every month for when the wives and the husbands both have to be there, but they said the wives can join for the classes as well. And so I thought, do I want to go down there every week? You know, I'm homeschooling at the time, what, four children? Oh my gosh. 
I can't even remember now. Maybe I maybe, <laughs> maybe only four, three. maybe twelve. I don't know. One I can't loses remember. Track. The fog of war. Yeah, I can't remember how many were still at home. So um anyway, I was just like, okay, he just he cannot go get smarter than I am. No. So that's just not gonna <laughs> work at all. So it that became a competition. It did. Yeah. yeah. And I just told him I was like, Oh that, my that's... gosh, did you guys compete on grades? Oh. Yeah. That makes my heart so happy. Me and I, my wife did too. Okay, I just want to say that so he's like super smart. It's really pitiful. Um, and so he did beat me on all grades except for philosophy. Nice. Yes. Well, and philosophy, because, okay, philosophy is perfect. really hard. Beautiful. No. It's magical. It's, oh. it's way hard, but I bought a book that has pictures and yeah. cartoons. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Homer That's Simpson's guy. I, you know, <laughs> I, I ditched the textbook that the professor had and I was like, this ain't working for me. Yeah. Like, hey. There was a girl at Franciscan when I took philosophy who, I, thank God for her because she's the only reason I passed, but she was a chain smoker and I had to stay up till Most like- Most philosophers are. Right, yeah, yeah. And then she was a philosophy major. Yeah. So I had to stay up till like 2 a.m. I'll never forget like sitting outside- She probably wore a fedora table. too. <laughs> no, she, she was a little- She wasn't like that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I had to sit there and, and endure secondhand smoke to get through the final for, for this philosophy course that I had to take. That's so fun. For my wife, she was a grad student when I met her at Franciscan. And you have to take- If you're grad theology, you have to have all these philosophy prereqs. Well, I was a philosophy theology uh, undergrad because I thought I was going to be a priest. So I wanted to have at least my philosophy done when I go off to become a priest. Well, then we start dating. Whoopsie. And uh, her and all of her friends, <laughs> they were all, um, they had never taken philosophy before. I think she had done maybe one class. But we got, I, I said, I will teach you. I will go through your whole study guide. I said, but you all have to agree you're doing it my way. And they were like, okay. Boy, where and, have I heard that before? Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, sounds familiar. It was your wedding vows. Um, <laughs> I'll agree to this, Stephen, but you're doing it my I, way. I'm in, okay. I'm, I'm in it like in her office. Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> But okay, whatever. I made it a marriage joke. You made it an office joke <laughs> together. No. Uh, so I, I, I go into her kitchen and I drag her kitchen table into the family room. And I said, no one is allowed to have books in a lap because you're only half paying attention. And I made them all. And we studied straight till three o'clock in the morning. Half the group left. The rest of us plowed through till 5 a.m. Then they left. Then I left. And they took their test at 8 a.m. And they all got A's. Every one of them. They were, some of them were failing. So, uh. I'm That's amazing. The moral of that story. Wow. I just, I love it. We should rename this The Gomer Show. I think we should. <laughs> I think all of our fans would be in favor okay. of that. So really Dean quick. Gomer. So my, uh, my in-laws actually went through the diaconate process in the Diocese of Birmingham and they were ordained the same, uh, well, my father-in-law was ordained the same spring as Deacon Mike. Okay. Um, and so it's always interesting hearing my mother-in-law uh, who's very different personality than you, but I think y'all get along great. Um, and in kind of her perspective, I think that the, the discernment process and the going to classes or whatever once a month, she hated it. That was like, <laughs> and I, I don't know happy. if she'll see this, but she just didn't, she was like not interested in that. She, you know, she wanted to be doing other things, but she supported her husband nice. and, and kind of everything. So that was, that's the beautiful lesson there, I guess, that I've <laughs> learned is, is a support for one spouse. But was there ever a moment in the process where you're like, Eh, I don't think this is the right thing for us other than just like, you know, a few scheduling things here and there. I don't think there was a serious moment. I mean, there were moments along the way where, the, where I'm just like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Yeah. You know? I mean, just uh, logistical issues that usually disappeared within a week or right. so, you know, you have stuff, sick kids or, 
you know, whatever things in day-to-day life come up um, and you start to think, how are we going to manage this? But it really, I mean, we were really, I don't know, Holy Spirit was watching out for us because it just worked out. I mean, yeah. it turned out that doing those classes while our kids were still at home, we had enough older kids still around to help with the younger kids. Like if we had tried to do it now, then our poor youngest would be home all the time by herself, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, because everybody else is kind of in and out. And so they were still, you know, we'd come home and I'd be, we'd be gone all day Saturday for a formation day and we'd come home and I'm just like, Mike, they've been there all day. And I just, I I feel like such a terrible parent, even though I'm homeschooling, I'm with them all the time. It's so silly. (laughs) But but I'm like, we're we're just gone. And we've, you know, we would go down there and go to our classes all day and then we go out to dinner. And so we'd come home pretty, you know, late and, I just remember one weekend coming home and it must've been spring break and our son was back and we walked in and they were all sitting on the floor, like a college student down to the little kid playing a game together, yeah, just playing a board game. And I was like, Okay, Lord. <laughs> well, I'm also, sorry, I doubt yeah. it. Oh, you're here? That's because also, I, I, you may not feel so, but like your oldest son is like the holiest guy of his age I've ever met. Like when he was, because I was his youth minister for a few years. Right. And I remember he'd walk in the room. I'm like, he could probably educate me on whatever we're going to talk about right now. So it doesn't surprise me that he was able to rally them around when he was in the room. That's awesome. So what's one thing that we should all know about Deacon Mike? Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and it needs oh, to be funny. Put me on the spot. I know. <gasps> you should have prepped me. Uh, oh. No, then it wouldn't be real and authentic. I don't know. Should you know that? Okay, maybe like? maybe we should get more specific. We'll yeah. start. We'll ease into it. Okay. What's a terrible secret that he's been guarding <laughs> for 27 No, years? what's his favorite meal? Or type of food? Probably seafood. Yeah. Anything that swims. All right. I'm with him on that. Let's strike one. What? I hate seafood. Yeah, we know. You're on the corner. You're on the carnivore? Carnivore. Carnivore. I eat only corn. Corn. (laughs) Candy corns. Corn on the cob. (laughs) Uh, That'd be an interesting diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Next question. We're going to, we're going to up the air a little bit. I see that look in his eye. Yeah. Best date he ever took you on. These are hard. Dinner after seminary. <laughs> you know, really, honestly, okay, you joke. I do. But <laughs> and with friends. But it was great because those those days when we had formation days, they were half of it was kind of like a class and half of it is a reflection of yeah. sorts. So it's like a kind of like a mini retreat. Mm-hmm. And there were some months where I'm like kicking and screaming, like, I don't want to go. This is my Saturday. I yeah. want to do something else. I do not want to be down here again. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit shows up and is like, shut up, Katie, and trust me. And uh, only kinder. Anyway, but they. <laughs> shut up, Katie, trust me. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with me? I don't know. And so we'd go and we have that reflection day. And, you know, I always came away with it uh, from that day with something yeah. to really kind of settle me back into what our purpose was. Yeah. And so we would, we had journals and we would take notes and we'd go out to dinner and we'd take our, our journals with us into dinner and kind of unpack the day. And that was great. Those were really great. Wow. So like your, that is cool. your diaconate formation kind of became like monthly date nights. It really was. It really was. And it was very wow. different than the classes because we went to classes weekly, but it was like, oh my gosh, rush home for, he'd rush home from work. Mm-hmm. We were like, I've got the dinner in the car. We are out the door because it's, in traffic, two hours. Right. Yeah. You know. Because for those of you who don't know, this is down in, like, by Ikea. 
right? right? Like I ten and six ten. Many times, very yeah. handy. Oh man, um, I yeah. love that flugenbügen. Mm-hmm. It's the best set nice. of drawers they, I've ever they have bought. Really good Swedish meatballs. They anyway, um, but yes, so we. In, in traffic, you never know what you're going to get. You can get down there an hour or two. So we'd, you know, yeah. we'd be running down there and um, you go to class and you're there for almost three hours yeah. and you're driving home at 1030 at night. I really hope so, that like, that the, I, and I know the di- diocese has discussed this. So if anyone is like listening at the diocese, but like maybe some telecommuting for future yeah. deacons could be a good thing, you know, like. It's a big diocese. Yeah. Well, they are breaking open uh, the old Zoom classes right now. So our, our very own Christine Marla, who was on two episodes ago, yep. she uh, takes uh, some classes at the seminary with deacons. The deacons yeah. Information. Well, right. and, yeah. and then, of course, St. Thomas University is opening up in Conroe this year. So cool. So if that kind of expands, yeah. maybe it'll be available. But uh, Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let them telecommute. It's, it, it's, a, it's actually a really good point, and it's kind of funny. We'll see some of these things probably come out of COVID that we didn't expect. Yeah. Right. Saying, can we do it? Yeah. Now they're trying to figure out if they can, in fact, do it. But, I mean, we are on the... We had a long trip just because it was, we're pretty far out, but there were, there was a couple from Conroe. Yeah. yeah. So he would work in Houston every day, drive all the way home to get her, Oh. drive all the way back down there That's and then lame. drive all the way home. That's you know, rough. my husband just works locally. So he would take his 10 minute commute. He home. Them, I mean, <laughs> that's. That's a lot of driving. And I would not. I do mean, that. there were couples from Texas. Honey, you're Texas meeting City, me there. <laughs> but yeah, there were couples from Texas City. Yeah, I mean, and you're all over. It's it's crazy. It's, and then you'd have the people go, "Oh yeah, you know, we're just ten minutes away." I'm like, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> oh, mean, you want to get choked today? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have another question, and I feel like it was inspired by God because as we're recording this, there's like tornadoes outside. Yeah, and, and I saw a bolt of lightning right as I thought of it, and I, I'm going to take that as like Love. the light bulb weirdest Christmas present Deacon Mike's ever given you. Weirdest Christmas yeah, present? Yeah, or you're like, what the heck? Right. I was going to say worst, but I don't want to cause like angst and disappointment for Deacon Mike. So I'm going to go with weirdest. Weirdest. Okay. See, could be this a birthday is hard present. Could, because could. <laughs> this is actually really hard because I honestly don't think I could tell you a gift that anybody's got me. I just don't remember. Oh, that's I don't, fair. Okay. I'm, All right. That I'm, wasn't I'm much, a good question. I, I put a lot of thought into gifts I give and I tend to not, and people mostly give Weirdest me chocolate. Gift you never <laughs> give it. And we don't buy each other gifts for Christmas anymore. We like yeah, go we shopping. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, um, so, so it's kind of hard to buy gifts when you can just buy Man, stuff yourself. I'll tell you what, I don't care. Father Kingsley was a lot easier to play 20 questions with. Sorry. <laughs> Weirdest gift I've ever gotten him. I don't know yeah. about weirdest. I what did, about socks I, that are after the saints, like my St. Benedict socks? Can you get, okay, can no, you get a shot that. of my Benny socks? Look at my Benedict socks! Oh my gosh, Jay just yelled in the microphone. <laughs> Who needs a thunderstorm? <laughs> Holy Moses. I am the storm. Woo! Okay. <laughs> no, I actually, we have kind of a funny story. So um, Mike is kind of a techno person. He really does enjoy technology. And so... And techno music. Go on. <laughs> maybe not so much. Um, but many, many years ago, I'm gosh, I'm showing my age. There were these new things called flash drives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember those. He really wanted one. And so I think Office Depot was the only place that sold it. And I spent a fortune on a really, really a flash drive. I think four it was megabytes. like four megabytes. <laughs> yeah. It probably was. It was so expensive. And he was just like, he was thrilled. 
You know, yeah. he's just like, I he's can take nerd. this everywhere. Yeah. I get to, oh, look, oh, you know, because. It holds four floppy disks. That's right. <laughs> four floppy I don't disks. have to use floppy disks anymore. So I got a backup Windows really, 3.1 on here. <laughs> it was pretty exciting stuff. So I don't know if that was, that's not the that's weirdest, awesome. but that was, we laugh about it now. We're like, my gosh, how expensive. They give them away now for like. Candy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know yeah. what's funny about your your thing about the date night stuff that I think is so great? So me and my wife, because of the whole quarantine, you know, we're not going out to restaurants and getting that private time. So I put my kids to bed early on trumped up charges. Pro parent tip. Oh, this room isn't as straight as it should be. To bed 15 minutes early. So they're wow. out like a light. We start some uh, Netflix movie or whatever. But lately I said, you know what? I um, We're reviewing all the marriage prep curriculum. And I found this wonderful series from uh, evangelical pastor Andy Stanley. And it's called What Every Who is Happy... Andy Stanley is from? Uh, Atlanta. Just where like- you're from. Yay. Uh, hey, my son was born there. Hey. Oh, gosh, I'm Support. surrounded by him. It's gross. Oh, wait. Uh, that's right. Hold on. Time out. Dick and Mike went to Georgia Tech, didn't he? he? Okay. I did not even intend to wear my Georgia Bulldog yes. shirt today, but I know that it was inspired by God because this is Scott's favorite team. Steven, wear the shirt for yes. the Bulldogs. Yes. G for God. <laughs> Whatever. G for yeah. God. Sorry. All right. I digress. No, no he, did, he went to A&M and he went to Georgia Tech for his- First uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like so, so yes, many we people were, do. We Anywho, back to me and my killer story. So Andy Stanley- <sighs> No, so we watched these videos on- Marriages on, on. I forgot to what, tell you you were on the Gomer show yeah. today. It's really about him. <laughs> on, uh, no, it's about your T-shirt. Anywho, uh, <laughs> on what every happy couple knows. But the whole point was like you're doing all this theology, you're listening to all this stuff, but it actually drums up a ton of reflection. And so it's funny because we didn't want to do it because we knew we would talk for so long after. But once we did it, we were like, that was really good. You know, because you knew you're going to have a more you know a deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. So we'd watch it on YouTube, turn the TV off. Do a shot of whiskey, and then we would have a conversation about what matters most. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it does. I mean, we found that, too, when we were in ministry several years before we started um, Diaconate Formation. We had made a decision that if we were doing ministry in church, we were going to do it together. Nice. Because at that time, all five kids were still at home, and we were, I mean, we had no time. We had Mm -hmm. no time to go on dates. So we're like, if we're going to do something at church, let's do it together. And one of those ministries was uh, teaching, like, uh, doing witness talks for natural family planning. Oh, very cool. And we always found out, you know, if we went, we came and we taught the class, we worked through theology of the body, we talked to these couples and everything. It was like, okay, yeah, because you just, you felt rebonded and you kind of reasserted what your marriage is all about. So it was it was a good thing. So the the diaconate formation was really a carryover over of that. When you get your right, when you go yeah. deep, it's like, it just, it opens things up. It's better than watching a Marvel movie. What was your favorite? What was your favorite class in diaconate formation? Probably philosophy, where you creamed them. No, and actually, I do have to. (laughs) I have to put a little star by that because that was one of the intro classes, and it was so it was not a full fledged, you know, university's class, university Mm. class. But um, our teacher, I remember him saying, "Okay, we had to write a final paper explaining a, a a philosopher's thought." So I did Aristotle, and he gave us instructions, and he said. Don't try to be smart. No problem. So that was, it was <laughs> no kind of like, problem. no problem. Nailed He's it. like, yep. He was like, just me give like me, Aristotle. give me, give me, the, okay, it's a little bit better than that. <laughs> but yeah, but the idea, but the idea was, you know, just give me the basics. Yeah, don't me, So you can it. explain this to someone else. And that was really the point of the whole diaconal training was you're going to be in the parish. You don't need to be explaining higher High level philosophy. You know, you're not teaching yeah. a grad class. You right. want to go out into the parish and, 
help the people, right? You know, kind of understand their faith a little bit better. So you have to be able well, to and forget the people. Isn't the diaconates focused on <laughs> yeah. uh, the outreach? kind of arm of the church. Isn't that one of the things that's like the main focus of the diaconate? Yeah. So diaconate, deacons are basically waiters. Yep. You know, we joke about it. When you read the reading from Acts about what they're supposed to do, they're serving at table. So their whole role is really service. So I think a lot of times in church, we see the deacon in the role um, at the liturgy. Right. You know, and so, but that is the small part of their ministry. And actually some, some deacons um, in parishes, just depending on the pastor, they're not allowed to give homilies. Yep. And, and it's up to the pastor's discretion. People don't realize absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. They're given faculties. So their their abilities within the diocese are their faculties for the mm. deacons. But the pastor can decide which faculties you exercise yeah. at your parish. Yep. So a lot of the people will not hear the deacons give a homily or anything like that. And so really to understand what their ministry is, it's a lot in the background. Sure. So it's, you know, preparing people for marriage, baptizing babies. Funerals. Um, funerals, uh, graveside services or the vigil the night before a funeral. Um, just kind of, they're not really counselors, but just talking to people when they want to work through something. Yeah. Um, and just being in service. And they also have... In, in addition to their parish, they have a diocesan ministry that they all have because really they're pledging obedience to the bishop and they belong to the bishop and they're loaned out to the parishes. Yeah. So each of the deacons also have something that they have to do um, for the diocese on a weekly basis. So um, like was, for Mike, he works with special youth services, which is uh, incarcerated youth. Yeah. But there are lots of different things. I did not know do. this. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I was actually talking to a huh. deacon the other day and I said, you know, would you think of what, like what I do? Because I, you know, on the side, give talks and all this stuff. He said, would you think that it'd be good for me to become a deacon? And he said, why? And I said, well, I'd have a lot more freedom. And he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, I'd be able to speak at masses when I do parish missions because I could do homilies and mm-hmm. stuff. The guy goes, oh, if you're looking for freedom, do not become a deacon. No. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to the bishop. You do. And if the bishop says you travel for work, you'll travel for your diaconate services. And yeah. I never even realized that that level of it. And it's funny, the way the deacons were inserted into the liturgy was through the service because what happened was in the early church, there were two tables. One was the altar and the other one was the table where it's also where the collection comes from and all that. They would bring food to distribute to the poor. And after the consecration of the Eucharist, they would then bless the food in the earliest church, the apostolic church, they would have a meal right after mass called the agape meal. But then it became, uh, you would just have the mass and then the priest would bless the food and the deacons would be sent out right then. He would take the food in baskets and take them immediately out and serve the poor. And that's how that evolved to eventually he became a function within the mass as a, you know, liturgical, almost like a liturgical assistant, or as one bishop said, a potted plant holder. Uh, <laughs> but there are some dioceses <laughs> that I don't. I remember there, there is a friend of Mike's who calls it like deacon of the, deacon of the liturgical ornament. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are like the diocese of, I think Lincoln, Nebraska does not do uh, deacon ordination. The late deacon Mike uh, Mims, he used to always say that to me. He's like, I, I don't enjoy... Uh, Deacons that like, well, I don't know that he would say this. Well, he would say this. It was my, my <laughs> He was like, I, I didn't become a deacon to dress up and play deacon. Like I became yeah. a deacon to serve. And like, and that was so indicative of his life because he was always so action oriented, which I think caught a lot of people off guard, but it's what a lot of people loved about him. Yeah. Uh, and, and I see so much of that in so many of our other deacons here. That's been such a charism, whether it's been Deacon McNair or Deacon Crawl or, you know, whoever, they're all... Uh, very action oriented like that, which yeah, is awesome. Service. It's all about but, service. But 
to your point though, like my father-in-law is the first deacon his parish has ever had. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And it's interesting because the pastor, um, he's a, he's an uh, older Irish priest and I don't know why, but I just think, you know, I just, I don't think the pastor ever wanted deacons at his parish. And sure. I guess, I guess my father-in-law is a different breed. I don't know. But, uh, I do think it's great that your husband has said that now you've been on the show twice. Your husband has said, I want to go on the show. That's my life goal. And I love that we're talking about the diaconate <laughs> with you and not with him. It makes yeah. me feel better. It does. You know, I really, when you, when he asked me to come on, I'm like, I can't say no twice before I just, he even gets on once. Yeah. Well, I the mean, competition continues. We just like I mean, talking to you more. Yeah. So I hope we get he to hear this. him all the time. We do. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah. We're giving a voice to the voiceless. <laughs> no, really. I do not. I will say. One thing when we went through uh, formation and we came out of it, you know, as, especially as we approached his ordination, you know, he had a very defined set of things that he was going to do upon ordination, you know. Uh, and so for the women, a lot of us were just asking, what are we supposed to do? I remember asking that question very early on. And Deacon Gerald DuPont was the director at the time uh, of the diaconate formation. And I said, well, what, what's expected of the wives? And he's like, well, what is God asking of you, Katie? And I was, and so that kind of stuck with me when we came to the end. It's kind of like we don't have that defined role, but now we have all this crazy education and formation. What are we going to do with it? And so in some ways, it was exciting to have this big open, you know, field to go into. And in other ways, it was kind of like, where do I start? So, I mean, I, I remember even having a meeting with you and saying, look, I'm a yeah, I'm a I'm an educated person now with a looking for a ministry. Right, <laughs> so it's kind of like it, it just um, that's how it works. And I probably gave so. you some lame answer because I didn't know what to tell you. <laughs> so like, well, say, yes, uh, yes. Start a CrossFit. Yeah, box. no, that is not what I said uh, to her. Not uh, at all. No, but it's it's really, um, but it <laughs> is funny, and it's not like I'm an expert on anything. Although sometimes people do approach me like I know, uh, no, but um. You know, you do want to use your gifts too, yeah. because you do. I'm I'm very grateful for the education that I received. Use very, it or lose it. I'm very. I mean, there. All kidding aside, there are some great people down at the the seminary um, teaching, and uh, you know, they have so much wisdom and just a lot of things to share. So I did. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. Good. And uh, that's awesome. So, you know, so on on that yeah. note, the last time we actually had you on the podcast mm-hmm. pre video. Uh, this was the dark days, the dark days. This was like last <laughs> year. I think, uh, we, we had you oh, and before Roger, YouTube, <laughs> we had you oh, and Roger dear. Ingersoll on to talk about the new ministry care for creation that you guys were yes. getting started. Um, so since that is an area that has kind of become a part of your mission field, give us an update. Like I know last week was Laudato C week because it was the fifth anniversary right. of Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato C, which yes. remind me what Laudato C means again. Like we praise you. Louds, lauds. We like, praise you. Okay. That's right. Because encyclicals are always praises. just the first line of the encyclical. Yeah, but he chose that. That's the first line of the hymn of St. Francis on right. creation. So right. Gotcha. Okay. What's the first words? What's the, you got the encyclical uh, right there. I have to put my Drum glasses roll, on. please. I'll, I mean, I got, I got my glasses already on. I can hook you up, sister. Let me serve you as you serve <laughs> our parish community. Thank you, Gomer. Laudato si, mi signor. Literally, it's in Italian. Praise be to you, my Lord. So loud, lauds, laudato. Got it, got it. Okay. What's nice about- Louds to be- (laughs) (laughs) Someone get him. Does anyone have a face mask? Can we muzzle (laughs) this guy? I do. I brought a mask. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, No, but really, laudato, see, it's it's a culmination of church teaching on 
just caring for the world and caring for the poor. Right. Um, and so it do, it's interesting that it does start with a prayer from St. Francis because it really, you know, starts with him and continues through time and touches on different things that different popes have spoken about, Pope Paul VI and Pope Benedict XVI and Pope John Paul II. Yeah, I think um, I think the last time we talked about this, uh, one of the things that we kind of alluded to, and I still think it's, it's definitely uh, still relevant a year later, is that just the idea that whenever you start talking about care for creation or Laudato Si, there's this automatic politi- political, you know, thing that happens because people think that if you're yeah. if you're for you know the green movement and that sort of stuff, then then you know you're you're this way or that way. And what I found is that's not really true, and that's really not the goal of Laudato Si or what Pope Francis is is trying to teach us about our care for creation. These are just common sense common sense steps that we should all be taking to appreciate what God has given us. And I think that the thing that I found is the more I dive into it, if I do the little things like recycling or, you know, being conscious of not waste um, in the physical world, it tends to have the same impact on my spiritual life um, mm-hmm. where I don't, you know, waste my time with God or on frivolous things, or I appreciate, you know, things in my life in a different way that maybe I've been taking for granted for a while. Um, and, and that it, it's all tied together. So, uh, I don't know, speak to that. Just kind of like what, have you seen people kind of growing through the ministry that way that you guys have started with care for creation or what, where are y'all at a, you know, a year or two into this now? Yeah. So it just, we started last summer is the first time that we got together with this, uh, with this group. And really the whole point was to be supportive to the staff and clergy at St. Anthony's to say, you know, if you have an idea, we'll try to figure out a way to implement that. You know, we've had lots of like, hey, uh, do you want to find out a better way to deal with waste after an event? Do you want to, you know, and so we're kind of willing to do the legwork and yeah. maybe put some ideas out there and just uh, kind of get the word out. But it's, um, I think you're right. You know, it's, I, I, I think I said this too last time I, were on, I was on here. It's, this is not political. It's not political at all. It's, if anything, it's, it's part of our faith. It's so much more than that. And, um, part of what Laudato Si talks about, like there are, there's an intro and like six parts to it. One of it talks about, you know, having a, a dialogue politically, right. but most of it is about a change of heart for ourselves, realizing what's going on, recognizing that the first person always affected is the poor. Right. Always, always. always. And, um, that, yeah, you know, when me and Roger Ingersoll did presentations at the seminary on it, um, my whole approach to it was, okay, so a lot of conservative Catholics, of which I would probably put myself in that category pretty hardcore, are nervous about something like this because the environmental issue is always on the left, right? It's always, sure. uh, seemingly. In America, um, at in, least. in America, right. Yeah. It's the, and, you know, the Democratic Party definitely seized on it in order to engage in restrictions against business. And it's always this war against the environment and business. It's always couched in these terms. And the thing that I love about Laudato Si is he places it within and what I would call an adequate theology of creation. Mm-hmm. What does God reveal about creation, right? Mm-hmm. What does God reveal about Adam and Eve and the dominion that humanity has over creation? Because the word dominion is used, right? It's a it's our regal authority, while at the same time, it's very clearly not ours, right? So if you have a thousand dollars, you're probably going to treat it differently than if I gave you a thousand dollars and said, "This is my money. I want you to use it well." And you can look at the parable of the talents and all this stuff. It's the idea of stewardship. 
This isn't mine. It's been entrusted to me. Yes. I have to return it better than I found it. And then when you get to the book of Revelation, what do you find? Well, the book of Genesis starts with the marriage. The book of Revelation ends with the marriage supper of the Lamb. But what do you discover? You discover a new heavens and a new earth. And people have this weirdo platonic view of Christianity where it's like we're a bunch of trapped spirits that when our body dies, we shoot up into heaven. That's, that's not Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Right? But that's not Christianity. <sighs> well, yeah, I'm out. We are imbi- yeah, I'm done. <laughs> if it ain't platonic, I don't want it. You see how I had to stretch that word? Yeah. No, um, no. But the idea is that we're embodied beings, that creation is, we are rational animals. That's our definition as human beings in the church. And the idea of the, the future resurrection of the dead. But the book of Revelation is the new heavens descending, not us going up. It's the new heavens descending to the new earth that's been repristinated. You mean right? I'm not going to get wings? No, no. I'm going to ring so many bells, ain't uh. nothing going to happen. <laughs> we don't become angels, people. Angels are entirely Sorry. different beings. Yeah. Way smarter. Yeah. yeah. So the beautiful thing about <laughs> Laudato Si is that it's situated within that understanding, the biblical account of creation, which is under attack today. Evolutionary side, um, the fundamentalist Christian side, like they're losing... They tend to take, we tend to take a modern American approach, but the problem is it's bought from principles that was, and this is what appealed to the seminarians. I said, the, the problems in creation that we have right now with pollution, all that stuff were built on principles of the enlightenment, which mm-hmm. rejected Catholicism. Right. Like, I mean, it was an explicit rejection of Aristotle. It was an explicit rejection of Thomas Aquinas, like explicitly so that we could turn nature into a mechanism and make that mechanism do whatever the heck right. we wanted. And now we look at it and we're like, wow, when we took ownership of it, we destroyed it. The, the response is stewardship. I don't know why I felt like I had to get so no, angry for five minutes. No, okay. it, it was it was really good, actually. Chapter three. <laughs> chapter three, Laudato Si. Well, but really, and, that's, and the Pope's talking in here, too, not that technology is bad, but there's a certain nobility that goes along with the use of it. Right. You know, I think he calls it a noble use of technology. Yeah, so. it's a subsection called technology, creativity, and power. Also, yeah. also I think yeah. one of the things that people forget about Pope Francis is that um, while he's the Pope and the Bishop of Rome, he came from the edge of the world that has been very negatively impacted in a lot of ways yes. by a lack of the care for creation. And I actually went to Argentina in 2015, um, had always wanted to go there, kind of had this like romanticized version of what I thought it was going to be because you hear about Buenos Aires and all this. And it, it was, it was a beautiful city in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but I was dumbfounded by the poverty that surrounds yeah. Buenos Aires. It is shocking. There's no there's way around nothing, it. Yeah. The only place that is close to that here is uh, uh, like a, an Indian reservation where there's no... Ma- uh, maybe, like, but there's yeah. but there's so much more people because it's so condensed. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then going to yeah, World Youth nothing, Day in Brazil, uh, oh, yeah. when, you know, his first World Youth Day in 2013 and going, we uh, we actually did a, a Life Teen event in a flavela. And it was just the whole thing. Of, like I've been to other parts of Latin America, but... It was just so much more uh, exacerbated because the amount of people that are in these countries and and yet the poverty is still there because of this lack of care for creation. So I think that when you start to understand how he was formed and what, you know, where he was a priest and where he was a seminarian and where he grew up, it makes sense that he's trying to bring this to the attention of the world. And it's important. And I think we need to listen. And it's interesting, too, because he's really the first pope in a long time that comes from that very different background. Yep, so, you yeah. know, we're, we're kind of 
brought up on one kind of theology, he's dealing with a completely different, you know, so we can say we've seen poverty, but yeah, not no, like they have. No. Yeah. We can, we can say we've seen sickness, but not like in other countries. And so, my, yeah, you know, sorry. when you, when you want to feel for, when we say, yes, we care about the poor, we're very removed for it. It's very hard yeah. to, to really take that to heart when it's not on our doorstep. And right. so I can understand a lot better. Where and the, the Franciscan from. impulse that I love and the Franciscan friars of the renewal, uh, let mother Teresa kind of show the way at one of the reasons why he chose Francis in a repeated theme is a poor church for the poor, like to love and serve the poor. Why the poor? Jesus says at the end of time, I'll separate the sheep from the goats. What separates them? When, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. Well, when did we see you hungry? Lord, when you met me in the least of my, bro- of my brothers. So Jesus has sheep and goats, but he identifies with the poor. And that's St. Francis of Assisi's mode, right? He saw the poor Christ, right? Though he was rich, became poor for our sake so that by his poverty, we might become rich. So what did he do? Francis was literally rich, got rid of, stripped himself completely naked in the town square in front of the bishop and his dad. And he said, I have no father except our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he went and he took the clothes of a beggar gave them the rich clothes of a, of a merchant and he that became the habit essentially a little modified form of that and the the amazing thing is Francis and then the the CFR Franciscans which I love with all my heart their whole thing is we we built programs for the poor the Franciscans did but we lost touch with them mm-hmm. so as the CFRs part of their thing is we can never lose touch we can build a ministry great we can build a halfway house we can build a soup kitchen but we have to be the ones serving the food. We can't just administratively run it. And that was inspired by Mother Teresa. Well, that's the mode of Pope Francis. It's not enough to say, well, you know, we're going to give money to the poor. It's like, but but go be with the poor. That's that's what I love about the Honduras mission here at St. Anthony of Padua yeah. is yeah. that there's not many, uh, maybe not, I don't know. I don't want to criticize other parishes. There's a lot of parish missions out there and they're all good and they're well-intended. And not even just Catholic parishes, church parish missions. Uh, Honduras is unique in that since it began, it's always been about going and being with those people and being a part of their lives and building up their community. I have not. And, and, uh, you know, making, and, and that's why there's grades being added to the schools there because of the work that happens with the parishioners here at St. Anthony of Pado and building the relationships with the local uh, you know, municipalities as yeah. well as the the bishop and getting that part a road made so it takes fifteen minutes to get to the top. Sure, instead of I mean it's two hours. It's crazy what yeah. is, and people don't even realize that that's happening in our parish uh, through the work of the Honduras Mission. It's incredible, and it really is. I think what this idea of uh, being with the poor is all about is not yeah. just being with them to make it a spectacle or so that you have something to put on your Facebook or Instagram feed. <laughs> Which but, one of these is not like the other as yeah. I'm hugging the little children. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've been on mission. Trips right. That's what, we, what do you call that? Uh, toxic missions, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Toxic charity. And here's an interesting fact. So when I do the formation part, they give me a, a 10 minute spiel for the missionaries before they go. And my big thing is it's, this is not paternalism. This isn't us rich, healthy people going to the poor, sick people and fixing everything. It's us to be with them. Uh, JP2 says, no one is so rich that he has nothing to receive, nor so poor that he has nothing to give. And when mm. you go there- That is you, so true. Right? That's Isn't that awesome? Quote. But the problem mm. is when we think, the paternalism or the, the toxic missional thing is, well, I'm coming to do my program. I don't care what you need. And the amazing thing is like, we can invest in infrastructure. 
right? And that's a large part of what Pope uh, Francis is saying in Laudato Si. It's like the infrastructure that we take for granted in, in the so-called first world, mm-hmm. It's sometimes it comes at the expense of people in the third world. Sure. And we just, we, we neglect some of these things. And, and once we start channeling, like when the rich and the poor come together, that's Christian community. Well, and we often call that solidarity with the poor, too. Yeah. I mean, that phrase, that's yeah. what it comes from. It's not me fixing your problems. And and I saw that, too, with our mission to Haiti for years. You know, we had a life teen mission to Haiti. And after years of doing that, they stopped going, which, you know, made one of my kids really sad who wanted yeah. to go. Yeah. But the reason we stopped going is because it had become basically self-sufficient. Right. They didn't right. need outside missionaries to come down there, which is amazing. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what you were yeah. trying to accomplish. You got to love the toxic missions. There's a book called this where the, the uh, these African kids were rubbing rocks and dirt on the side of their school walls. And the youth minister went early. and was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, our teacher says that Americans love painting. So we have to ruin the paint so that you can come and paint. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So the guys are doing all this research, and he's like, oh, what have we done? Oh, I mean, yeah. Or you hear yeah. these stories where they'll go, and you take a group of high schoolers down, and then they, after they leave, then the, the real local workers come in and fix everything that you messed up. Yeah. And it's like, so you have to be really careful about these type of uh, mission organizations and where you're going. Like, the one that I've always been involved in, we tried to take kids from here. We were very close. And then a month uh, before we were supposed to depart, when I was youth minister here, to go to the mustard seed communities uh, in Kingston, Jamaica, because uh, there was violence that year yeah. right outside. That was bad. That was bad. That's so right. we had to cancel the mission. Uh, so many disappointing kids. But I love the mustard seed communities because they're, uh, they're in Kingston. They're in the Dominican Republic. They're in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're in Zimbabwe. Uh, but their whole thing is what they're doing is they're taking in um, – children that are orphaned because they have disabilities, mm. which often in poor societies are the first that are neglected. They're born, they're deformed. You go in the trash can sometimes literally. Right. And so, uh, Monsignor, uh, who started this, he would go and literally find these kids. It started in Kingston, Jamaica, which is one of the most dangerous poor cities in, in the Western hemisphere, but it, it's grown to all these countries where the same problem is happening. He'd go, he'd find these kids and he'd bring them in. And then he would bring the outside missionaries in to literally build the schools, the homes, and to take care of the kids. And part of the the whole process was it wasn't just that you were down there building for these kids, but part of the daily process and routine was taking these kids in their, you know, that are, you know, paraplegic in their wheelchairs or whatever it is into adoration in the morning, doing oh, wow. mass with How them, cool then feeding them, bathing them. And then during the day you did the work and you would take breaks yeah. in between, you know, and so there's there this whole kind of comprehensive aspect to caring for the poor that I think, you know, comes out in Laudato Si. It comes out. And and the way we we get to practice that in our daily life, because we can't always be on mission trip necessarily mm-hmm. unless we're called to that vocation, is through recycling, being conscientious of how we're using things, that sort of thing. And so if you have a, a ministry in the church, mm-hmm. they can contact you yes. for care of creation. And yes. what do you do for them? So they're welcome to come and join. Um, we have a monthly meeting usually, um, kind of formulating new ideas. Like I said, we're we're working with different people in the parish. We've met with Janine Braun about, you know, have set and set by some ideas for, uh, you know, events that we're not having right now. But when we go back to having <laughs> events, day, you know, um, <laughs> for doing different things. But And she, yeah. Janine is great. She has so many good ideas uh, to begin with. But, you know, I mean, just being kind of available as a resource and educating people about this. Because, I mean, like you're talking about, you know, I think we're often looking for different ways to serve, especially you see what's going on with the food pantry, right? I mean, everybody's like, yes, I can donate food right. because I know I'm helping somebody. It's a, it's a direct link 
and um, or somebody wants to help with Habitat for Humanity or something like that because yeah. you you see the the fruit of your labor. But I think that we do have to start to look in other ways that sometimes our daily choices are our ways of being right. mission or, you know, in, enriching our faith in uh, different choices that we make. So it's didn't, not- Didn't youth ministry take one of the ideas, uh, like they, they started serving, telling kids to bring water, yeah. their own reusable We got rid of bottles. all water bottles. So they, yeah. And we just do the big jug. Yes. Oh my gosh. When I thought about that, the for my time- The amount of bottles. Oh my gosh. You yeah. need to do an they infographic used, about like- to, <laughs> No, I don't want to. We shouldn't. We should be ashamed for it because it used to be this entire wall yes. over here where you're sitting yes. was water bottles and cans and all that kind of stuff. Um, Saved hundreds a week. Yeah. But here's the deal. I like mean, the, the, this is the, the whole the, thing. The waste that we were putting out at just, just from yeah. that one department. Or having yeah. to order the water and have it delivered because not one, one person didn't have room in their car to right. go get it. So they right. had to deliver it on a pallet. Right. Bring it upstairs. Just reducing the yeah. footprint I of mean, that. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And I mean, and like not my, necessary. my kids didn't are like, add I'll anything. just drink out of the fountain. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't add to the ministry at all. But, but just over time, that was just kind yeah. of the... The and, thing the, that it happened. and the kids were not. What was funny is that they're, you know, I don't know. I think we underestimate our teens a lot, but I think we underestimate people. They are dumb. Often. <laughs> <laughs> but they, it was like no big deal to them. Yeah, no. It was just kind of like, sure, we'll New do normal. whatever. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, well you want all, me to quarantine? Yeah. Also, yeah. adults? Yeah. Not so much. Well, and also the, the next generation, I think, is a little bit more conscientious of the world than we Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Uh, well, they're the ones who are going to be dealing with the aftermath when yeah. we're all dead. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Speak for yourself. I'm going to live forever. Whatever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a, you know, little speech on. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm. Michael, saying, you're going to die soon. God, I hope not. <laughs> Although with this weather, I'm not so sure because I'm looking out the window nice. right now and it basically looks My like wife is on our way to Sugarland right awesome. now. Yikes. Not yeah. a good time to drive. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming on. Thanks this for was me. this was our longest one, I think, so of far. Of course. Uh, I apologize for the rant. There. I was going to say, and whose fault is that, Gomer? Yeah, no, it's totally mine. Too much. No. <laughs> yeah, but thank you, number one, for saying yes. We'll to have you on. At, married. We'll have thank you, you on for at, saying yes to coming on the show. We'll have you on at least four more times before we invite <laughs> yeah. Deacon Mike. <laughs> That's awful. Mostly because I don't want his amazing beard to be in competition with Mike. Because I would. This lose. is true. You would I would lose. lose like he lost to you in philosophy. That's right. That's what. Would Remember happen. that. Don't met me. <laughs> so, what ministry to close? What uh, are, are you thinking about helping out with any uh, ministry coming up? Uh, well, I was do? thinking about helping out with uh, a ministry maybe Say that it. you were doing. Say RCIA. Say RCIA. That's right. I desperately want so. both. I want. Yeah. <laughs> no Here you go. No, no <laughs> you just put her on the spot. No, no. We talked about it. It's 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 all good. Yeah. So when things um, get back to the new normal, the new normal. Awaiting baptism and confirmation Just, for uh, communion. Being a companion to the RCIA folks, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Sounds like a good good plan. All right. So. Well, looking at this camera over here, because that's the one Jay is pointing to. Thank you all for joining us. You can now <laughs> find us on Vimeo, the old people YouTube, or YouTube, the young person's Vimeo. We're on YouTube. Yay! That's awesome, Jay. Well done. Well done, Jay. Yeah. Are we gonna monetize it, Jay? Get some cash money. Every six months, we get a check for four dollars. What is wrong with you? It's I got problems. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of this economy, man. That's what's wrong. I got four kids. Yeah. Uh, Steven, send us out. Send us home. Uh, Our bags are packed. We got jazzercise class in a couple minutes. Send us home. Go home. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Thanks. <laughs>